Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. In a moment, I'll be joined by Redskins broadcaster and former tight end Chris Cooley. We're going to talk about a range of topics from his draft day memories to some Joe Gibbs nuggets and to coaches he liked playing for and also his thoughts on the quarterbacks in the draft and on the Redskins roster. And of course, while I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, Cooley's podcast, Cooley at the Park, is another must listen. Let's get to it. All right, welcome to my podcast, a special guest, a guy I've known a long time and have enjoyed watching play, getting to know, listening to him on his podcast, Chris Cooley. How are you, Chris? Kime, thank you. I'm awesome. <laughs> it's cool sitting here with you. We've been talking about getting together for forever, and one of us has been out of town every other it's weekend. But All the time. We have, it's a busy part of the season. Like My wife and I, were gone all the time. And so I'm glad we can get this done. And, you know, I, listen, if you're anybody who's listening to me, I'm sure you're already following Chris or you're already listening to him. Or you're already listening to his podcast. But it is, the, it is the best content to break down what's going on here. If you want to know plays, it's the best way to to be informed. So that's why I like having him. But I'm not going to start with the X's and O's just yet because I want to go back. We're in the week of the draft. So I want to go back to your draft and memories. And what I remember, because I was in the room and we were talking to you on the phone, was what kind of a cell phone does this guy have? It's not like you were like, it's not like you were driving through the, you know, somewhere in Utah or somewhere like that, somewhere out west. What do you remember about draft day? <laughs> that was actually a big part of it. Yeah. Is what kind of cell phone do I have? Yes. So first of all, it was the, th- the three rounds on the first day. Yeah. That, that was, oh, yes, that was right. my draft. And I had a excellent year my senior year. Well, I, first, I didn't play very much as a junior. I didn't play until the last six games of my junior year at Utah State. We had a kid fumble. They put me in against Boise State. It was like, fine, whatever, Cooley, you're in. Just I, We can't watch this other guy. And I think I had like six catches for 90 yards in the second half and must not have been a very good practice player because everyone else on the t- team was like, huh. So I started playing. So I, got, I had a fifth round grade going into my senior year. I had a good senior year, probably better than I got drafted. But I didn't have an exceptional combine, and you can't evaluate me against top end talent a ton of the time. So I personally thought that year there was a there was a possibility that I would go as the fourth tight end anywhere from the fourth fifth or sixth tight end which put me no later than early first right. or no, no, early first or early third yes thank early, you. early third I knew and I knew what you were saying and, and and so I had no idea where I was going I only interview I had those interviews with Cowboys and the Redskins and I remember loving Joe the, the interview here, Joe picked me up. Joe took me out. Joe, I, I remember driving through the toll booth and the toll booth guy shaking hands and coming out and meeting Joe Gibbs. <laughs> and I thought, this is just incredible. Well, one, I thought it was incredible because I thought, what is a toll, what is a toll booth? They're pay, <laughs> wait, wait, we're paying to go drive on this road? Because yeah. I never understood that. I still don't. Being out of Utah. Well, no. That, that Dulles toll booth went way up from that so time, good. too. Uh but to dinner, to breakfast the next day, to spending the day in the facility with Joe. I mean, with him. And and to go to Dallas and then 
have it was like a cluster group of people there was mm. i had a roommate which i thought was shenanigans you're like bring me in for a draft give me my own room man so i just i knew that i loved joe not but i didn't necessarily have a sense for it being washington you know as a player and, and i'm that kind of person that's got to think through 700 things like okay if this falls here then this can fall here and this team could take me in this situation and Kevin Curtis was a guy that had been drafted the year before out of Utah State, so I had a good relationship with him. We had the same agent, and I had this this thought process of how the draft would play out. Certain teams will call you and say, "We're thinking about you at this time," or "We're, we're we got this going on." And I remember that I wanted to play golf that day and not worry about the first round. I knew I wasn't a first rounder. Couldn't play golf. Something happened. I, there was a tournament at one course, and I couldn't play at the other course. So I just sat and watched the draft all day. It was brutal. So I get in the second round. Like late first, Kellen Winslow goes. Uh, ben Watson went in the first round. Another guy named Ben Troop went in the first round. Like three guys off in the first round. Beautiful. I thought there was a potential that I would be the fourth behind those three guys. I went to the senior bowl. I thought I had a pretty good senior bowl. Through the second round, some of the guys started to fall. I haven't even heard from a team. We're getting late second. I'm thinking, what is going on here? I haven't, I haven't heard from a team. We're getting a third round. Uh, there was another player out of Pitt named Chris Wilson who played for the Chiefs, mm -hmm. who I was better than, decidedly better than. It was, like, in my opinion, off. and I liked Chris a ton. And I'm not happy at this point. We're, we're into the mid-third round. I haven't had a call. So I'm sitting there with this cell phone at my mother's house going, does this thing even work? What is, <laughs> what is going on here? Like, they're, they're, I mean, I knew that they had my mother's number, but I hadn't, I hadn't sniffed a call. And so I went outside to look for a reception and I heard everybody inside. And keep in mind, I'd watch every freaking second of this draft, <laughs> every second. And I go inside and everyone erupts. Woo! You got drafted by the Washington Redskins. <laughs> I, I hadn't, still hadn't had a call. <laughs> like, they didn't even call. So it had been 10 minutes. And my brother finally says, Oh, someone's on hold. He had been talking to all his buddies on our home phone. But also, I didn't, like, that was my first, so we didn't really have a cell phones. Right. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a cell phone in college. A bit different. I had, like, the old school Nokia if you had an emergency. But then yeah. I had gotten my first phone uh, during the combine process. So I, he hands me the phone and he pick it up. He says, hey, this is Coach Joe Gibbs. My brother put Joe on hold for 10 minutes. <laughs> and... It's, and, and um, I said, oh, "Do you want to be a Washington Redskins?" I said, "Yes," and then we went we went nuts, and and it it was very exciting. And I thought I would move to Washington D.C. and be in the city. And guess <laughs> <laughs> what? I didn't. But it, it is funny because I didn't have a cell phone. But the other the other side of it is, I was a Utah State wasn't a big program, and it was before blogs, internet, social media, all the stuff. To where it was a, if the Herald Journal didn't interview you, maybe the the Deseret News on the uh, every other month. Right. There was no real local, local television that you. I hadn't talked to reporters, and I hadn't talked to. I hadn't been in front of a camera, and I hadn't done any of these things. And so I remember that first press call with with yeah. the, the eight or nine guys just being awestruck of. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, what do I say here? Yeah, I'm really really happy, and and you know now having worked in radio for four or five years and six years and doing some of the stuff I'm doing, there's nothing worse than a bad cell phone. You're like, just find some cell phone reception guy. Yeah. It was funny because that was the thing we got off the phone. It's like, man, what kind of phone was he using or was he driving through the mountains of Utah or something? Because um, the reception was just kind of, it was kind of tough. But yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. And 
as I look back, I was so fortunate to be drafted by an organization that placed me. And I think that's so important when you're drafting players in the first three or four rounds where you, you're asking them to play, especially the first three, place your starters. We didn't have a tight end here. Joe knew exactly what I had done in college was the, that H-back role. It's not a fullback. It's not, right. like it, was the t- it was that move guy that was versatile, that broke Just, tendencies, that could play on the ball, could play off mm-hmm. the ball, could do whatever he wanted. That's what I did in college. Mm-hmm. And Joe perfectly placed me, whereas I mentioned Chris Wilson, went to Kansas City, played behind Tony Gonzalez for four years, played some special teams, never had an opportunity. And if I'd been drafted by Dallas, it would have been behind Jason Winton. I've never had an opportunity. And it was so vital for me to have opportunities early in my career versus not, especially going back to saying I don't think I was a a dynamic practice player. Most of my skill set was run after the catch, find yeah. holes in zones, make plays when plays break down, Which is what some of the stuff that you don't see done in practice. You know, the funny thing is, too, because I don't remember, like, I did a diary with you that first year. I would talk mm-hmm. to you every week, which I always enjoy because you're, you're really good to talk to. But there was a story that, and it's funny because of what you do now, and you, maybe I misinterpreted something at the time, but I was doing a story, and I went to you and asked you, we're sitting down on the landing down the stairs down here. and On the green benches. Um, no, we were on the, on the stairway landing in the middle. of the stairway. Okay. So I, I was doing a story and watching film and I started to ask you about the process of watching film and all that. And you go, go, dude, is this about watching film? I go, yeah. He goes, dude, I don't watch film. And you ran up the stairs like, but you're, that's what you are now. That is what you, so did you not watch a lot that time? And when did it become a big deal to you? Because you are, you're so good at it that it's hard to believe that you never <laughs> Uh, well, film watching is dynamically different now because of the ease well, of technology. True. I didn't have a Surface or an true, iPad. If you true. wanted to watch film, you had to sit in the coach's office and watch film. And you had to stay late. And you yeah. had to do all that stuff. And I, my best friend for four years was Brian Kozlowski, who was ten years Koz, old. Kaz, that's right. Kaz. He, man, he was like a cockroach. They couldn't kill him here for a while. No, they couldn't. And always he, came he, back. He lived with me for the next two years. He was great. For his last two years here, he lived in my house. And he was kind of my role model, which in a lot of ways helped me immensely because Cause was a we had a we had an ongoing ten dollar bet of who would miss the first practice. So I didn't miss practice for five years, five and a half years. I missed one practice because I don't want to lose this bet. To Cause like <laughs> I think it was my sixth year when I broke my ankle and Cause called me and said, "You owe me ten bucks, man." <laughs> like okay, okay, Cause sounds great. And so there was this toughness. There was this do anything. You asked me to play scout. You asked Cause to play scout team. He'd go play scout team fullback and barrel into guys. He would do anything that you asked him to do. And so I kind of embodied that. It wasn't that dissimilar from what I was as as a player, anyways. Right. But there were moments in my third and fourth year as I and, and as I made a Pro Bowl where I could have taken on this uh, diva or slightly above thou personality sure. as a player. And it was it was kind of that toughness mentality that a guy like Kaz instilled in me. And then Yoder was here and Yoder had the same yeah. type of mindset and and sellers and and, and, all, and all of that stuff. But Kaz didn't watch film. Now, players watch film mm-hmm. because when you install and you break down, you, you watch yeah, film. Right. But I'll never forget sitting in our tight ends room with Rennie Simmons or Warren Simmons, who was the tight ends coach forever, who didn't hear especially well or tuned out not in an, in an okay fashion. And he would come in on a Thursday and say, what what film have you guys watched? And Cos would say, well, yeah, we watched the Giants and uh, we watched the Dallas game. We watched some of the Steelers game. We watched there before we get <laughs> and Rennie would pop on some tape and we'd sit there and talk the whole time we watched tape. But for me, early in my career as a player and for a lot of these guys, there's some important things that you glean out of film, but I needed to know more of what the defense was versus film. 
Like, is it a 3-4 defense, and did I have an outside backer? And when did that outside backer have contain versus when did he not? And now that really, I started to really understand that in year four, three, okay. four, five. Film would have helped me. All of these things. I'm saying film would help me. <laughs> but for, for us as a tight end, is it man coverage? And if it's not, is the middle of the field open or is the middle of the field close? Or are there two safeties or one? And all of our reads were predicated right. on that kind of stuff. I could see in sense zone coverage or man coverage sure. fairly well. I would have gained a ton from knowing, you know, if I attack leverage on a certain player, how will he react and, as a route runner? You know, what kind of stance? I had John Allen in here last week, and we broke down a bunch of film, and he's mm-hmm. like, I have a pass stance, I have a run stance. I have, mm-hmm. like, those are the things that would have helped me a bunch mm-hmm. watching tape. So I didn't really watch it until the Shanahan staff. Oh. And I thought that Kyle was an unbelievable installer. Mm-hmm. He's dry, he was witty, but I thought it was fascinating. The way they approached looking at offense versus defense and the true scheme of the game. And then I took another massive step forward when Sean McVay got promoted mm. to the tight ends coach. He's 25 years old, I'm 30 years old. I'm at my point in the career, wherever I was, and I was in the middle of an 80 catch year. Mm-hmm. And he's telling me, well, you're gonna do this because X, Y, and Z. And it was like, you're not gonna know more than me. <laughs> So I learned every front, every coverage, every defensive look, every terminology for it. And he still knew more than me. <laughs> but it was a it was a three to four week struggle with Sean, not in a bad way. Right. In a let's let's test each other way, where I think we both grew, but I I, I grew so much and, and really started to love the overall scheme of, of what football was and film was how you how you understood it. And he taught me, so Sean and Kyle taught me how to watch film. You know, it's funny that right around that time, because in interviewing you over the years, there was a point where you got to where I could tell, like, there were questions you would be sincerely bored with answering. And I don't blame you because, like, I know how these are. I'm bored hearing them. And sometimes you get, if you're bored asking them. But what, what I noticed at that time was you wanted things that challenged you like challenge you intellectually. Like you didn't want to just like, well, how are you going to be the giants? It had to be something more about attack. How do you attack leverage in this front? Then you seem to light up more. I mean, I just remember there was a, there was a, part, a period in there where it seemed like you started to want to talk more about that aspect of football. I think all football players open up when you ask them how you want to attack leverage more or what, what did you have? Because that, goes outside of the political sure. correct environment that and you're concerned about. And I find that for about. myself, it definitely. And so I was, uh, so many reporters and so many of the people I worked with initially had a hard time with some of the things I did because I paused to think about what I was mm-hmm. going to say. So you'd ask me a question and I would sit there for two or three seconds before I answered the question. I still don't know how they're going to beat the Giants. <laughs> I, 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 I still struggle with but that. But I think it's a okay, hard let me answer. Think like, yeah. Let me correlate A, B, C, D before I answer it. It's not a bad question, and I don't think I was disinterested w- with some of those questions. But, but it seemed like you opened I, up more on the other stuff. It was just easier to ask no, me true. individual responsibilities because I could re- I could recite them versus having an over did, having but, the Kirk Cousins overarching theme. But you have a natural curiosity about this too. And I think it, it kind of played into that as well, because I think you like, and you're right. Like what I found over the years, I've been doing this for a long time. So how am I going to relate to 24 year old guys coming out of college? And I have kids that age, but the way I always try to relate is by trying to get to their language. And that's like, okay, if I'm seeing Samaj P. Ryan, mm-hmm. 
you're hesitating over here. I want to find some plays so I can ask him about those plays and things that you do or Adrian Peterson, how, what are you looking at here? And like, I saw this so you can speak to the language because it's, then you get better answers, but no, but but before you go on, it's so, so true. Mm -hmm. You're saying, Hey, you're hesitating on some runs and he's going to say, okay, well, but you can say, it looks like when you have wander or your weak side zone right. that you don't necessarily sense exactly where the tackle's going or the guard's going, and he'll go, boom, 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 okay, right. and that it, will start a fire. And, that and, it, and I've noticed that with those guys. And I, I, so I, but I think, so I agree with that, but you also have a natural curiosity about the sport, it seems. And it's endless. Yeah. And so do you. So you get it. But I wanted to know why. Right. And that's why some of the stuff I did throughout my career, like that's why I Joe was good. He wanted to know why and how. And that's why I struggled with Zorn, not as a person. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I like him as a person. So yeah, I should really, I, I really should have never said anything in a negative fashion about Zorn because that's part of what stays in the building kind of deal. But at the same time, well, that's the way Bill Walsh did it. Mm hmm. That's awesome, but Bill Walsh isn't football god. He is there. Like I don't need to have faith in your football religion. Could you please explain how how and why this works, and in, in in a way that I get it and understand it? Versus, well, that's the way Bill Walsh did it. That's great. Or we just have to out execute them. Yeah. Okay, well, give me a reason. Right. And so, and, th and that was you know Joe did that a lot, and Joe's Joe's so simplistic, and then that was the the Kyle Mike. Sean Tree was, we'll give you a reason. There is a reason. We'll find it. They knew it. And, and that's what guys always, you always said with Kyle, his offense made sense to you, but that's what you're going to make sense if you can explain they it. They tied everything together. There you go. They tied everything into why we were doing this to get to this, to get to this, to get to this, versus just calling plays. Now, the other thing I wanted to kind of segue to is, is and this may be a clumsy segue, but, but with Jay Gruden. Obviously, you guys have a good relationship. There's the perception that if he says, if you're saying something, oh, this must be what Jay thinks. So how, like, what is the nature of your relationship and how often do you guys just talk football? It's almost impossible. I would love to go and talk football with Jay a lot. It's almost impossible. And when Sean was here, I would be in Sean's office to just talk ball, not to find out any information. I just love talking ball. I am around Jay a lot. Not like probably some of his best friends in his life, but enough. I would say 1% of the time we have a conversation about football. <laughs> I would say 75% of the time we don't talk. We're just around each other. <laughs> like if we play golf or something, yeah. we're just playing golf. Legitimately, we'd be in a cart for four hours and say 100 words to each other. <laughs> it, I, it's just the way it is. I mean, you're just out. We, we, we just play golf. So... To your, to your point, nothing Jay says or does impacts what I do. I don't want it to. And I, I think that's hard for everyone to really understand. But it, it's almost like the same as um, when I'm doing this like draft evaluation player. I don't want to look at what every scout and what everyone right. said of them formulated. I, like, if I can formulate my own opinion, then I don't have to protect anybody in any fashion or any way. And so I don't ask him about ball. And we don't talk that much ball. Now, there, there are instances where I get all excited and when we do some film stuff together that maybe we'll have another 10-minute conversation about route concepts or how, how would you – like one, I think once – I think one time, Jay said to me, 
how would you run the inside vert on four verts? And we spent 15 minutes and it's like, that to me is heaven. Like that 15 minutes of talking about like how I would run verts versus how a lot of teams run verts is I would do that for hours. I would rain man the S out of that thing. (laughs) Like, but we don't do that. And, and he doesn't talk about his players, his coaches, his team with me ever. And it's funny because, like I said, the perception. And, and then I, I would tell people, like, you know, just because Chris saying this, that this is his opinion because he's putting the work in. You can't, like, I, I know they're giving you credit for, like, having, but it's like, give, if the credit is the work you're putting in to have this opinion. And that's why I asked that, too. You know what I mean? And so, the reason I put the work in is, is because I have a love and a curiosity correct. for what's going on. I don't want to be told what's going on. And, yeah. and anybody that's, that's been around me enough, and like guys like Sheehan, who I've worked with for the last yeah. three years, and Zabe and Galdi, they, they watch me watch film. Yeah. They know that when, we do, when I do an offensive film breakdown that I watched five hours of offense that morning, and I, I, I show you hundreds and hundreds of pages, pages of notes as to why I came up and formulated this opinion. It, it wasn't like I'm doing math and I wrote down the answer, boom, in a big circle. And I said, here's the end up. I'll show you the entire result of how I got to the answer. I should start. I actually should start writing notes that don't involve my own language and some derogatory things to what I see. Like if I watch film and it starts to get negative, it's not like I don't like the player, but I, it ends up being like, what the f- are you doing here? Right. And why the- I should write them so I could take a picture of them and say, this is the scout note of this game, but I get bored doing that. You know, and it's, it's you have this deep knowledge. Where do you want to go with it? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So I, I want to um, own general manage coach and play quarterback for my own professional team (laughs) (laughs) jay did in the arena league but i yeah it's 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 not easy for me to just say i want a coaching job and have someone hire me right i think that would be amazing i would i i think i would love to do that i also have a family i also understand their time that goes into that and their commitment and and I also know that there's a who do you want to work for aspect and where do you want to be. But it isn't just as easy as like I see on Twitter all the time. Cooley should be a coach. Yeah, Cooley. That, that's a possibility. But Cooley's got to have a job offer, man. Like it's not like I'm getting job offers out there left and right. So I, and, and do you want to coach? Do you want to scout? Do you want to do what I'm doing and, and, and evaluate and be able to do this in this fashion and, and be around and be able to have good relationships with people? Like to me, I'm so fortunate because you ask so many former players, like, what do you miss? The, the, what's the answer? I miss the locker room. Yeah. Why well, don't I, I have the locker yeah. room? I work at Redskins Park every day and I have over the last five years. I miss the relationships. Why? Well, I, I still have the relationships. And those relationships for me aren't because of proximity, it's because we share interests. We share the, a, a massive interest in ball. Like, why do you want to be around Sean? Because we can rain man that yeah. forever. And that's what I'm personally interested in doing. And so those are the relationships I formulate and have. What I miss is I don't compete anymore. Yeah. Like I worked so hard when I played, and it is a game, but you win or lose. Yeah. I miss losing, and I can't do that. As a, I wish I could be Jason Witten and play till I was thirty-eight and thirty-nine <laughs> years old. That's just not my yeah. my world. And so, what level do you get that? And I wish that I felt the same win or loss as when the Redskins win or lose, but I don't. Yeah, and it's hard. I win every week. I call the game and win every week. Whether or not someone likes what I do, I, I don't care. I, I win every week. Okay, let's take a break for a minute. And when we return, Chris Cooley is going to tell you which quarterback he likes in this year's draft. 
Welcome back. Here's more of my conversation with Chris Cooley. Stay tuned for which quarterback he thinks will start this season for Washington. Redskins sitting there picking at 15. First of all, what's, who would you like to see quarterback this team next year? Because the choice is right now, like putting aside Colt McCoy and Case Keenum, because someone else is going to probably be joining this roster. So is there a guy that excites you that say, whether it's Josh Rosen, whether it's Locke, Jones, Haskins, who, who is the guy that, that you feel? Your best opportunity to win, if you're looking at next year, is Case Keenum or Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. I, I am, unless you were to go out and sign is someone that you, you're not going to sign, you know, unless right, you're right, going right. to go out and get another top 15 or 20 quarterback. That's not realistic. So I'm definitely of that mindset that a guy needs to spend at least a year in an NFL environment to be able to play quarterback. I mean, for me, I played in four offenses, and it, tight end is a tenth of what a quarterback is in mm-hmm. terms of knowledge. It was still a year before I was operating outside of the, this is the arrow on paper, this is the design, formulating my own creativity within the offense kind of deal. So, and then it was the same every time. It was a year. And that just, it's funny. I look back. My first year was, I was a rookie, but it was okay. Second year, I was amazing in Gibbs offense. Next year was Thal Saunders. It was an okay year. The next year was a Pro Bowl year. Yeah. First year was Oren, fairly similar, and what ended up being a Pro Bowl year, and the second year was hurt, so that to throw that out, but that offense got less dynamic throughout the second year so yes, there's that and then with mike the first year was tough and then the second year was like you're executing at a, at a high level so for me it was a year every single year you had to have a year um quarterback i think is probably two like yeah. that first year you see if they can make the movements make the throws make some of the plays second year you see that when they evolve in the offense and start hitting some of the nuanced stuff and the, the underneath stuff and the third year is that jump year do you become great by the way, that's why it's like amazing what Mahomes is doing. I, like just phenomenal. dynamically amazing. But now quarterbacks are making some plays that quarterbacks were never asked to make. Right. Like some of the things he does are not your, your your original things. But that jump is a special, special jump. So you ask that. I think the Redskins do need a long-term solution so at quarterback. So who would be that guy that you would excite I mean, you to work with? <laughs> excite me to work with? Yeah. Excite me to interview? Um, <laughs> you're a coach. And who is the guy that you'd want to work with? Yeah, so I like guys that can do things outside of the script but don't have to operate outside of the script. And so, well, first of all, anyone's going to be excited to work with Kyler Murray. And great coaches don't need to win because of their great coaching ability. Great coaches need to win because they put players in good positions. You can put Kyler Murray in a lot of positions, but he's still going to make play. Like You have to understand, players are the ones that are going to make the plays. You just got to help them be in great positions, and there's a lot you can do to help him as long as you're willing to swallow the ego. Like you saw the McCarthy stuff that came out with with Aaron Rodgers, and it was like, dude, at some point, swallow your ego and let Aaron have more ownership, in my opinion, personally. It was pretty Like, be the head coach, be the CEO, let this guy be this guy. So I think Kyler has some crazy ability. I love Locke. Anyone that's listened to my podcast knows that I love Locke, and I think that there's some things that he can clean up, but I think he's a quarterback that operates within timing rhythm. I think he has great anticipation. He can throw the ball down the field deep. He can make every type of throw in the football field. He's got a ton of arm talent. He doesn't make silly mistakes. I mean, you can point – he had – I don't know, like 12 picks, something like that. Mm-hmm. I looked at every one, and you're like, I can take him. I can put blame elsewhere on a lot of them. There's only one or two that I would say dumb, dumb throws, or maybe even a couple more, but all of those were had-to-have-it moments in late in games where it's like, you're going to lo- win or lose now. And there so were- I don't mind those because I like I, – I would rather have a guy throw a ball down the field late 
then a guy check it down underneath. I think Kirk did it against Dallas in his last year here. Throw a check down to Chris Thompson with 34 yes. seconds and no timeouts. Yes. And you're like, as a coach, a do I times. really have to make the check down stay in? Like, really? To eliminate his process, do I have to make the check down stay in the backfield? Like, I think Jay, in hindsight, in that play, would have had said, Chris, get lost. Just, <laughs> yeah. So, seriously, get like you. Because yeah. if we if I put him in front of you, you'll throw it because he's in front of you and they're playing off. you got to force one there. So, I like a guy that's got some gunslinger but can still operate in the timing and, and rhythm of it. And then I like a guy, and this is where I don't know. I like a guy that's going to be the dude, like Brunel. Yeah. I want Brunel in my locker room. I like a guy that, that's a good dude I can trust, that's going to work, that's going to show up every day, but that you, that you want to be around, that, you, that, that the guys respect and, and look at and say he, he's going to get done. And then lastly, that guy like Brunel that's going to get in the huddle and go, we're going to score her. <laughs> we're in Dallas on Monday night and we're down and he, he goes, we're going to score on this play, Santana Moss. And and there's not even a question that he's going to score on that play. And it's like, we sucked all game. And that was Brunel. So those are the kind of guys, like, those are the intangibles. I can't tell you about any of these quarterbacks because I haven't spent any time interviewing them. I think Locke seems to have that more um, in that group. And I don't know about Kyler, but like, I think that's what I've heard with Locke. That's one thing that have, people have gravitated to is maybe the demeanor or the mindset that he has. So See, and I think like Will Greer's like that. But I Will Greer reminds me of Rex Grossman, and it looks like right. Will Greer's throwing a shot put when he's throwing Correct. a football. Like that, it, it takes I, I every bit of his energy to like, ah! Yeah. And, but, you know, I mean. But he it, has that mindset. And it's, and it's amazing because I don't know on what Haskins is going to be on in, in three years. Does Haskins go somewhere and sit for a couple years and, and continue to grow and learn? I didn't see that. I mentioned Will Greer. You look at his first year at Florida, he is horrendous. Yeah. He was a highly touted prospect, went to Florida and then had the PED thing. He was garbage. Yeah. So you see this progression of garbage to West Virginia to making some big time throws. He just, I just think their throws Greer can't make. Does Haskins have that kind of progression? And again, you don't necessarily we don't know. know that. I think that's the big mystery for every NFL team, including this one. And I think you know that's what they're going to have to decide. When, and that's why it's interesting in this draft because they're all over the place. And I don't know that I would. I don't know if there's a guy that I would say, yeah, if he's there at 15, well, Kyler Murray I would take. But other than that, it's like I don't know because, yes, they need a quarterback, but you look at this offense and, you know, is the quarterback in this class better than getting a TJ Hawkinson or a Marquise Brown and at, I think, at 15? Uh, no question. And, and the first, if, you, if you're good at all, your, fifth, your 15th pick should be, a, should be a legit starter for the yeah. next – five and you should probably want to pay him after three and you should be on your team yeah. making plays but it's also that do we draft the guy that fits our play caller our coordinator and that's that's another tough thing for the redskins is right. like what is our future with jay and, and they they'll know but i mean what is it you know what because kirk for example incredibly cerebral incredible incredibly process oriented analytical with sean mcveigh they match perfectly correct they speak a foreign language, which is football, both of them very fluently, and they want, like, this is this, this is this, this is how this is going to be. And I don't think Jay's that kind of guy. I think Jay is a gunslinger. Jay's a gunslinger. That's why I think he would like he would have loved a guy like Rex Grossman because it's like it fits the mentality. Oh, Rex was my top in my top five favorite players I played I with. And, and it's amazing because Rex was cerebral and smart. Yeah. But and Rex would tell you right now, like, yeah, I knew where the checkdown was, but I couldn't see it, so why was I going to throw exactly. it? I couldn't find it, so why was I going to throw it? But Rex was also more of a gunslinger than people say. Like, you gamble with Rex, and you see his gunslinger ability. 
$25 hand, $25 hand, $25 hand. <laughs> Screw this. $2,000 hand. Here we go. <laughs> like, that's, that, that was Rex, and that was in every aspect of his life. And so I, I like you have to ferry in all of these factors to more than, to more than just football. Like, yeah. but, so, but then some people aren't like that at all. See, some I don't people, think Daniel Jones is like that either. I don't think he's got he's that. He's process so, analytics. And I, don't, and I don't think he's the dude either. That's the, well, that, let me say this. Those are the things you start to hear. So is he that guy? Can he be that guy? And that's, that's the thing I would wonder about him. And, right. You know, like a Daniel Jones? I don't know. Like a Ryan Finley? Very competent quarterback, very cerebral, can make a ton of throws. I don't know if he's a dude. I know he's not a gunslinging kind, right, kind right, of guy. So does he fit in with your locker room, and then does he fit with the, the scheme and the staff that you're going to mesh him with, with at any point? A guy like Finley or Jones, both of those guys could be – I don't see either of them as top five quarterbacks in this league in five years. I've, I would love to be wrong on saying that. Because I, I cheer for the success of players, but I would also say, right. you know, what is, what's the realistic scenario? I see both of them being between 12 and 24. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, is that what is that? Then it's where are you falling on that range, too? Is, right. it, is it 12 to 15 or is it 20 to 24? So, right. Case and Colt, who do you think would you, who would you say, who would you almost anticipate? coming out with the job there <laughs> i know it's early it's really early we have to see things but yeah so there's so much that goes into this starting with i thought it would have been colt for sure the day they signed case and i said great signing you got the depth that you're looking for you got it for almost nothing and you have a one-year deal that's very viable on the cap and he had a bad year in denver then i went back and i watched his bad year in denver and i said this ain't a bad year in Denver. He had a fine year in Denver. I didn't think he was a bad player. A lot of, like, like uh, Locke. Mm -hmm. A lot of Keenum's bad picks, they were desperation moments in games. Like He had a couple terrible picks against Oakland on Monday night, throwing vertical down the field. They're down two scores in the fourth quarter. He also, You're going to lose the game if you throw four checkdowns. So lose the game now, taking right. the shot to have a chance to win the game. And that, to me, Case has got some gunslinger. He's tiny, by the way. He is, he is a short dude. So I think he had a better year in Denver than I thought. Okay. He took the Vikings with great offensive He's talent around him to what was a defensive lapse away from the NFC Championship. And then I say, well, what's Colt's understanding of Jay's offense, his obvious relationship right. with Jay, and and it's not like I think he's at Jay's house making dinner every night, but they have a bond of who sure. they are as guys, and Colt has that bond with the locker room. You know, I think Colt probably is given more opportunities to win that job initially, but it is Colt healthy? And Colt will tell you, like, dude, this is bad luck. This is this is I'm not a an injury prone guy, but it. There's it's, injuries, it and it happens. And that, so I think you're fine to to take like for me personally, unless one of them wins the job, hands down. I think culture starter in, uh, in week one, while Case spends the next three or four weeks growing as his understanding and knowledge of this offense. And then if Colt were to be hurt, Case is in. If if Colt performs poorly, then Case is in. But you give case that learning period of not just training camp but how jay game plans for through the first four weeks i think i heard jay say it and it is 100 percent true it's a new offense every week sure now it isn't new language every week but it's a new scheme and system every week and so you how does jay game plan and scheme and system for week in and week out and Cole case would have that time and and i i 
just a few more things, but who's the non-quarterback that you would like to see at 15 come here? Hawkinson. I don't think he comes here because I don't think think it's possible, but he's the guy that I think would help this team in in a big way because of all the tendency breakers, because of one, you don't have to teach him to do anything. Like, that's big for tight ends. Like, I don't have to teach Hawkinson how to zone run block. He does it. His technique, whoever's coaches at Iowa, good coach. Um, did a good job of teaching him how to block zone, and that's what NFL stuff is. And he can square up and he can block man to man. He's not going to be a, like a mauler. Like, everyone says Hawkinson's a great blocker. You're not going to run downhill dive and put him against a DN and watch him walk him off the ball. That's not going to happen, but he's not going to get beat. But he finishes blocks well, too. He does a good job. He does a good job staying on blocks and staying on guys. So I like like Hawkinson a lot. I think, you know, Marquise Brown is incredibly Mm -hmm. interesting because of his change game type of speed. I like players, Kaim, that can score touchdowns at any point. <laughs> because I like supplies. you go back to Kyle Murray, and it's like I like knowing that I can score on a hitch. Yes. Do you know how important that is for an offense yeah. when you, you're you're two or three plays into the drive and you throw a slant? Marquise Brown takes it to the house, and you're like, hell yeah, let's get out the field, seven points, job well done. Versus eleven plays in and we're kicking a freaking field goal. Correct. Like that's demeaning. That's tough as an offense yeah. to have 10, 11 play drives and not put up fifty points. What on defense, when you look at this defense um, with Minuski's scheme, what do they have to change, do you think, to become more consistent or better? Well, I think they're going to naturally become better because up front they're going to be a better defense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard when you have two and especially three impactful interior defensive linemen who can get after the passer. I would love a dynamic edge rusher because you get a dynamic edge rusher and you can rush four more times than mm-hmm. than not. You don't, and now you got to create ways with blitz schemes to get five-man rushes to get guys in individual matchups. Um, so dynamic edge rusher would help him. I think Greg's got to figure out a way to blitz better and be, and be more creative uh, of blitzing to the back and understanding what the back's doing with it with his checks and pickups to get quarterbacks off balance. Uh, they did a pretty good job holding and di- trying to hold coverage shells and show different coverages. And I don't know if they need to play as much coverage as they can get after the quarterback a little bit better. Um, we'll see. They they need they need some some man to man in the secondary if they're going to do some of the stuff that he did that that they struggled with. Maybe they're not a man to man type of defense as much as as they'd like to be. You know, Landon Collins is a good player. Landon Collins isn't going to lock down tight ends. He'll be with them. He's not going to give up big plays, but he's a smart see it in front of him player. Like he reminds me of. Uh, a, a Seattle Seahawks circa 2012 defense like Earl Thomas is he in the box is he not in the box keep it in front of him be be a good tackler type of player versus dynamic playmaker man-to-man coverage guy so I think you probably end up seeing some more zone with some more zone blitz stuff off the top and, and full quarterbacks for just that split second to allow John or one of those guys inside to get a little more pressure and I like that line that line should be good for a few years getting Ioannidis signed that was a good signing. Um, it was a great signing because, and I don't think that he would have been as in demand. He would have been teams like him. I don't know that he's going to be get this huge deal, but it's a good deal for both sides to get it done now. And I, I thought that was a great move. I think he was a year away from having 75% more of that contract or 75% less of that yeah, contract. Like, I, the way you say, like, lot. teams like him, he had a great year, mm-hmm. and he's not – like blow you away explosive enough Correct. right now to, to say there's true meaning 
behind the great years, like you can get into like the nuance and stuff right. that he does with hands, feet. But if he were to have a two to three sack year and be vastly surpassed by Duran and John, then he's potentially making three, four million dollars right. a year versus so I, getting it. So it's, it's a good deal on both parts. The very last question I have here: Kevin O'Connell, now the offensive coordinator. What can, what do we expect from O'Connell as a coordinator? What kind of help? What can he infuse in this offense to make an impact, do you think? I don't think you're going to see a, a big-time difference in this offense. I'm not sure if Kevin ends up being the play caller. I would, if I were the head coach, unless I'm Sean and I got called to go to L.A. to call plays and they are demanding that I call plays that year, I would prefer, if I were a head coach, to have a play caller mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. I would want to manage and and facilitate everything to allow him to be the play caller again i don't know if that's the instance or if jay gets into that or lets him call packages or or he calls it all i'm not i'm not sure and remember jay protected sean in the first year sean called plays jay's did not let everyone know because he protected sean it wasn't to say i had the success as a play caller it was to say if anything went wrong it was to protect sean it's on me and jay does that shock me if the same thing jay does that as as a dude as a great job Mm. not to say anything negative about any coaches in the staff but you have to have an entertainer as an installation guy. And I don't mean get a freaking clown up there and dance him around, but Cav might be the most brilliant football mind in the world. I just don't see Cav as the most interesting sell you your offense football guy in the world. And anybody that's met Kavanaugh is not going to see hyped up Chris Furster in front of Correct. you. You know what I mean? Like, Correct. hey, here we go. Let's install this run game. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and when, now I know why that was like that. But <laughs> it, he was, Furster was an unbelievable podcast. installer. And Kyle Shanahan was an unbelievable yes. installer. And, they, and Gibbs, to some extent, as long as you got his blood sugar right, was an unbelievable <laughs> installer. And he would say the same. I mean, he yeah, understood he that at that point. This. Like, he, he, he created belief in what we were doing. And that's the biggest thing offensively that I think O'Connell will be able okay. to uh, establish it, and you'll never know. Correct. But you have to be – like, you need your players to, for a period of time, be wrapped in what they're understanding and learning. You can't have them sit there and go, oh, my God, another installation. <laughs> like They have to have intrigue in their install, and then they have to believe what they're, what they're doing is going to work. And so I think Kevin, more than anything, will be a great installation guy. That's great, and he may be a like. Obviously, he's going to design, create. Right. I I'm not saying he's not innovative. That he, that he won't find ways to make but personal matchup. But I think his number one impact will be install, installing offense first team. But it's funny because like that's always a thing you, people talk about. You have to get up in the room and you have to sell what you're doing that week. Because if you can't sell it, whatever else you do, it's going to make it a lot tougher. Yeah, no doubt. We need Tommy Boy up there installing, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee. Uh, Bulls, I don't know. It's got to be your bowl. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Yeah, that's a great movie. That's a great way to end, too. There you go. Chris, thank you very much. Thanks, Kyle. All right. That's a wrap. Again, don't forget to listen to Cooley's podcast, Cooley at the Park. I actually joined him for that one as well. So there's a lot of Chris and me talking football. I'll have a lot more in the draft in a new podcast Wednesday morning. Thanks, as always, for listening. <laughs>